until I was about halfway through that sentence. Yeah. The 2023 winter meetings are have now concluded and the Dimebacks have made another key move to bolstering their roster. We're going to talk about that on today's episode of Snakes on Diamond, as well as some other stuff that happened over the past week. So anyways, welcome. Welcome on in. I'm Mike McDermott. I cover the Dimebacks. The Dimebacks is part of the beat on Fan Nation's Inside the Dimebacks. Enjoyed today by Wes Beyer. So How's it going, Michael? I'm good. It's great. It's a great day. We woke up to uh, an actual move that you predicted. Basically, like, got to feel great. So, yeah, so to, uh, for episode 37 of the Snakes and the Diamond podcast, we're going to talk about... Uh, we're going to talk about the Eduardo Rodriguez signing. Then we're going to move on to the impact of losing De- Son De Los Santos in the Rule 5 draft of the Cleveland Guardians. Talk about the Juan Soto trade with the Padres trading Juan Soto to the Yankees. And then uh, moving on to what right-handed bat the Dimebacks could target in free agency. And then talk about which teams are having the best and worst offseason so far. That's what we're- Before we get into that, make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a like. Comment down below which, what you think the Dimebacks should do next in their offseason and what they need to do in order to make this offseason a great offseason. All right. So for obviously the big topic of the day is the Eduardo Rodriguez signing. So I'm going to let you discuss what you think about that first and then I'll chime in. So Rodriguez oh, signing for four years and $80 million with a 2028 vesting option. That could make the deal a five-year, $100 million deal if he hits all his incentives and triggers that vesting option. All right, so take it away. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the Diamondbacks, as we saw during the postseason, they like really they needed another starter. Um, there's some names thrown out earlier in the, you know, earlier in the offseason. You suggested Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, I know uh, the, the predicted dollar is interesting. If someone else predicted that in the MLB trade rumors, he got less than that. So, I mean, it's uh, that's not. It's, I mean, twenty million a year for four years. If he if he brings the contract value up to hundred million dollars, that's that's a good thing because he's actually hit all those incentives. So there are some concerns. Uh, he's got an injury history. I know some people. Will, uh, I, I I know he has some family. So there's family issues in twenty twenty two. I walked away from the game and didn't communicate with Detroit about it, which is like that's unprofessional i hope he doesn't do that again uh it would be upsetting if he did obviously dying back signing a player that uh, will do that hopefully that's not something like you know he will do but uh if he's healthy i think he's a solid at worst middle of the rotation starter i mean if he can tap into his potential and come close to the results of this this past season or 2019 then you have someone that can compete with uh gallon as one of the you know best starters on the team i think that uh it also it also takes him away from uh a team like the cubs or the pirates or you know the reds or any of the teams that we might be competing for with the wild card removes that as an option from them so that that their teams aren't you know how their rotations you know further bolstered um i mean over i mean it's really it's a it's a good deal for the diamondbacks uh Hopefully, I mean, really, it's really just dependent, like health. If he can stay healthy, I don't think it's really going to be uh, ineffectiveness, like uh, with Madison Bumgarner. His velocity has been down, but uh, 
it's not i mean he's he's made it work the last season so i'm not concerned about that uh he's still fairly young uh 30 30 years old he turns uh, 31 yeah, so, on april 7th so he'll yeah, be, so he'll be 31 so, season so 31 that's that's you know he's, he's not a spring chicken but he's still pretty young guy i don't expect expect a like a dramatic decline phase for him um looking at uh dan zimborski's zips projections for him i mean they're, they're fairly yeah. optimistic if anything zips isn't concerned with uh the quality of his pitching they're more concerned with the innings uh you know like here let me see it right i'll pull me. that up i mean he's uh, he's averaged okay 152.2 innings last year was how much he pitched 91 but he you know like we said those family issues that he stepped away from the game uh 157 in 2021 and 2020 he did he actually uh had covid and myocarditis so uh it's it's understandable that he did not pitch in 2020 um but 200 the last time he pitched and the only time that he pitched over 200 innings was in 2019 so that's why i say if he if he can return to the form of that he showed in 2019 innings like that like that's that's an absolute win for the Diamondbacks, and I think that like they they really do stand a chance of competing at least at least being you know perennial contenders for the the wild card the next couple of years if things go right, if not the division. So, all right, so pulling up his zips projection here, and we're gonna make it big enough for everyone to see. And for everyone to see, what's talking about the innings: one thirty-eight, one twenty-eight, one nineteen, one hundred six. Now, of course, this comes into the fact that in 2022, between a rib injury and his family situation, he only made 17 starts yeah. and completed 91 innings. However, if you look at his track record, if you look at his track record on, we'll pull, I'm going to pull it up on his baseball reference page, but track record of innings. Now, he's not a he's not a guy you can really count on for 30 inning 30 starts a year, but when he is available to start, he typically will pitch relatively deep in the game. So looking at it, so we're going to go to uh, 2019. Obviously that was the year they made 34 starts, broke 200 innings. Yeah. But then if you look at his last year in Boston, after uh, obviously coming off the um, myocarditis and all the uh, craziness that was of the COVID year, it made 31 starts, 157 innings. Now, obviously, that's not an efficient pitcher if you're going five innings to start. Next year, 91 innings, 17, a little bit more than five innings. Last year was kind of the big eye-opener because he averaged just under six innings to start yeah. in 2023. And that's what you want. And the way that you look at it is, well, 200, the 200 innings a year starting pitcher is starting to become endangered. Yeah, The number of... There were only five pitchers in Major League Baseball that eclipsed 200 innings, and one of them was Zach Gallen, who yeah, was second so in the Major Leagues in innings. It's unrealistic to expect uh, a pitcher to, to pitch, you know, that much. I think uh, a hundred. Like, I mean, it's like if you kind of average out, uh, going back to 2017. Like, I think you you can expect 100 at least 140 innings out of it, 150 if yeah. not. I would think it's more There's, more realistic. I think they're expecting 150. So actually Jack actually asked Mike Hazen at the winter meetings, what the 
current definition yeah. of an innings eating starter is now. No longer 200, no longer 180, but Hazen yeah. said 150 to 175. Yeah. So, so that's the expectation. Interestingly enough, Steamer and uh, so the, the two projections on, on fan, I'm not sure how it works, but the, the, the innings pitch projection is 177. And like that would, I would be happy with him, you know, super happy if he can pitch that like 175 innings. I think that's, that's, and that's the team about, would that be would happy be, too. that would mean he's healthy for 30 starts. If you get that yeah. innings total. I, I would like, you know, it's interesting in 2019, uh, actually, no, no, I'm looking at 20, 2021. I think that, uh, a lot of like he had a play hit like the highest ERA of his his career actually, uh, even though that was his most valuable season according to F four. And I, I think some of that, if you look at the rest of his peripheral, you know, well, yeah, three three two FIP that year. Yeah, so clear clearly Boston's defense is not helping anything. I think moving from from uh, like Let's look at moving out of the you know like. That's some Boston is facing some pretty strong offenses, and uh, same thing with Detroit. I just, I think, I think it's a, it's, it's. I'm not really a, like. I, I think that the Diamondbacks' defense is actually uh, an upgrade over yeah. Detroit's. So yeah, if you look at, obviously, uh, I don't think Rodriguez is the same pitcher that he was in 2021 in terms of stuff. Yeah, well, obviously, yeah, he was, he was very unlucky that year. On balls in play and strand rate were career lows, career worse. But yeah. Otherwise, that's that's kind of just the main thing. But obviously, look at 2023. You can argue that he was a little bit lucky in regards yeah. to the home run fly ball rate being two percent lower than his career average. Although I don't know what the typical home run fly ball rate is. Comerica Park's a pretty big outfield. And obviously, balls and play average was a little was also his career best at two seventy four. And as we know, pitchers aren't necessarily in control of their uh, balls and play average as much as hitters are, if there is some degree. Yeah. And then the two X stats on his Fangraphs profile, XERA and XFIP, have him as an uh, four ER uh, estimated to be more as a run prevention, more of a four ERA pitcher, which is still above average, but not by much. Yeah, I mean, I think. After just I just having the consistency uh, would help. I mean, I I think four ERA would be disappointing. I I would hope that he runs a sub ERA next year. I think having a better defense uh, behind him is going to help a lot. Um, like you you gotta like just like I don't know, who who has Detroit been running out as their first baseman? They've been running Mickey Spencer Mickey there, Torkelson. I think Torkelson. they've been running Torkelson. Okay, Torkelson yeah, is. Above average defender, in my opinion, even though just let's see what the numbers say. I'm gonna look up the defensive stats because I think I would think that our outfield defense is definitely an upgrade. Um, I actually think going from uh, Guriel to possibly McCarthy is gonna be a small downgrade defensively compared to what Guriel gave last year. So, yeah, Torkelson is rated at minus 11 fielding runs on baseball yeah. reference, which seems off. That doesn't seem right. All right, let's see what StatCast says about the run value. Well, obviously, the Detroit uh-huh. didn't draft Torkelson for his glove. Okay, so StatCast has him at negative five fielding run value. I guess he isn't a good defender. 
isn't. Their best their best defender was Jake Rogers with catcher. I mean, like that. I don't, I don't trust. And I don't even trust then, catcher metrics def- for catchers. Zach McKinstry is the next highest in uh, defensive value on Fangraphs, so that would be. Well, remember the defensive number also includes position, but then again, McKinstry played every position, basically yeah. on the field. Uh, yeah. So I mean, no. Overall, looking at the, looking at the defensive metrics, yeah, that, that they definitely are a. What's their total negative defensive? Yeah, uh, negative twenty three point four defensive value as a whole as a team. So, um, yeah. I think the Diamondbacks are, are going to be. Uh, he's going to have a much better uh, defense behind him. Uh, just you know, and and just yeah. uh, that's going to help. I, I love. I think I don't. There, there's talk of uh, signing Tucker Barnhart, uh, who was you know like there's a a huge difference between uh, I mean and very small sample size in 2022 of when he was catching Rodriguez and. Uh, I forget who the other catcher was, but Eric like, like Eric Haas. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a two. It's a Haas two. Player that's Detroit release yeah, when they picked up Kelly. Yeah, it's a two point two. Uh, yeah, two point two runs, or earn run difference. Remember, so that's that's Matt. I mean, it's only three games, three four games. Three starts versus fourteen. But okay. obviously, we're talking about a guy that's still getting interest from a major league team and a guy that was released previously. Yeah, so I mean, there is, there's definitely, uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, depending on, I think Moreno's a great uh, game caller and a, a great defensive catcher. Brett Strom would disagree with you. I know he, I know he would. I know he would. He's the numbers look. I mean, I don't. I, I think that I just, I would expect Rodriguez to have better results based on his teammates uh, than he would with the Tigers. That's really my point. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, D-backs definitely do need a veteran backup option that can call a good game, in my opinion. Yeah. Obviously, Moreno's going to start 110 games. So 110 to 120, so you got somebody that's got to cover for the, the other 40, 50 games. That's that's one of the few things left on the Diamondbacks to-do list for this offseason, yeah. actually. Um, I mean, like, so, yeah. so, I mean, like, this, what is your overall thoughts on, like, let's wrap up this, this portion of it. What are your thoughts on this yeah. Rodriguez signing? What are your concerns? I, what do you like about it? I think, obviously, the first thing that's going to jump out is I think his home run rate's going to regress, obviously. Uh, Chase Field has the fourth lowest park factor, but that's just, but that's because it's imp- almost impossible to home run the straightaway center field because of the high yeah. wall and it's four, that starts 413 feet away from home plate. The deepest gaps in left and left center are very difficult to hit home runs to as well. However, it plays fairly average to the corners. But Chase Field will prob- probably see his balls in play average rise as Chase Field tends to reward uh, line drive contact fairly well or ground balls that get through the infield. That kind of thing. So you'll probably see the number of hits go up and we'll see an increase in doubles and triples allowed, in my opinion. Although Comerica Park also does reward that that type of contact as well. So who knows? Yeah, that's, I think it's kind of a wash the difference in, in the, the ballparks in terms of like their offensive profiles. So, I mean, I don't, I don't expect to have that much of an effect. I would think that the, the defense will have more of an effect than the ballpark. Yeah, I would say so because obviously defense, we talk about if I, well, we'll look at FIP X FIP. Well, those two stats still depend on innings pitch, the number of outs your defense get behind you. And yeah. also, 
if your defense gets extra outs, that saves you gets the extra outs. That saves high leverage pitches for you. So it yeah. does have a non. It does have a much larger effect on those two metrics than you'd think. Now, of course, I don't know what goes in the Sierra, so I can't necessarily rate that stat. But that's just something to keep in mind. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just looking at it, he's he's so far except for this last. Really, yeah, no, I mean, he's generally uh, underperformed his, you know, his, his FIP overall, like through his career. So I think that, I think that there'll be some nice. Uh, I don't, I mean, like I, I would expect somewhere close to what he did last year, and I think that I think I'd be happy with that. Um, I would probably say three seven to four ERA. Yeah, next year. As I said, the uh, main thing is. Can the defense make up for what will likely be a reduction in run prevention skill? In general, we expect his velocity and his strikeout rate to decline. You know, Um, the one thing that I will, I will see he's getting, as he gets further removed from COVID and, uh, you know, like his, that whole health scare there, I would expect like that to actually kind of, make up a little i mean he should be he should actually he can take that long to recover from covid so i could explain the 21 numbers quite well i mean i pretty much think that that's probably uh largely the reason Uh, i mean there's a dramatic drop in his his innings pitched uh his there's drop in velocity all that i mean i would not be surprised if it's uh more covid than any of his other injuries that he had i mean some of his kind of weird like he he's dislocated his kneecap three times which is uh troubling but that's not that i don't think it's actually his the knee that he pushes off on so um, i would say dislocate if you're just dislocating the kneecap itself it's not necessarily a serious injury but obviously if you dislocate the kneecap with ligament damage then it is yeah when you multiple times it's concerning (laughs) you know just because like there's a lot of surrounding tissues that can that can get damaged that's yeah. that's the one thing that we haven't really talked about is just like the injury concern there. Why there's injury concern uh, is things like it, it, it's, it's, it's he's he spent time on the injury list basically every year. I mean, if you get twenty five to thirty starts from Rodriguez, they're not going to complain. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm I'm happy with that. They got plenty of they got much more pitching depth than they did a year ago because people forget uh, the reason they had to, they were so desperate starting pitching wise last year is because Tommy Henry got hurt. Dre Jamison got hurt. Yeah. Nelson sucked. Sacconi yeah. wasn't necessarily ready to pitch in the postseason. Yeah, there's, Those kind there's of a things. Cascade, there's a cascade effect too, to, it was like to a, signing Rodriguez is there's less pressure on, you know, Brandon fought Tommy Henry, all the other guys you named. Uh, for them to, you know, to perform when you have three guys that are established, you know, middle to, you know, front of the rotation starters. I mean, if you can get that, if you can get uh, all three to repeat their performances uh, from last, from this, this last season, then you, then I, I think you're really happy. I think this is a, this is a, I'm not sure how much of a difference that'd make. I mean, he was with a, uh, if you take out one of those guys, replaces uh, their starts with uh, thirty-one starts. His thirty-one starts, like uh, I would project twenty-five. Like how many more Rodriguez. wins is that? How many more wins does that have? Like for the dime, I mean that's the thing. If you look at it, like that, hopefully isn't as much an issue. We can stay healthy 
then it really has that effect. The more innings yes. he eats, the less pressure there is on the guys behind him in the rotation to you know perform speed, as well as the bullpen. So, I mean, it makes go, everything better as a side effect. If you go by war, then it's two. But if you go by the cumulative effect, well, how many more games are the Diamondbacks in position to win with Rodriguez versus uh, yeah. Bryce Jarvis or Slade Ciccone as your fifth starter? And top, Brandon Flies your number three. Yeah. Brandon Flies your number three and Tommy Henry is your number four. That's you could probably say somewhere between three and four extra yeah. wins. I mean, I think that's a it's a difference between being, you know, uh being the that that third wild card seed to being the you know the first wild card seed. So well, that was six wins last year. Okay, so the, the the third and the second. So but I mean that that's a thing. I, uh, something about like one of the things about those young starters is some of them had very good starts. And some of the very yeah, bad Tommy starts Hen- as well. Tommy Henry actually had more good, a lot more good starts than bad starts. Yeah, I, it's just Fla- his, it's yeah. just when he has a good start, he doesn't strike anybody out. Yeah, that's he's a thing. soft contact merchant. Which brings me up to this last point: Do you think having a guy like Rodriguez is going to be a huge help for Tommy Henry, who's more or less, I guess you can say, kind of the same type of pitcher? Yeah. Although, like I said, Rodriguez misses more bats. Tommy Henry relies almost exclusively on soft contact to be effective. I think uh, a real uh, he could be of some help to to human Lin actually that's the guy or even uh, trying to think who who would you know yeah Tommy Henry I, I would think this they have very similar profiles actually I think Rodriguez still throws a little harder but um, yeah all these left-handed uh, pitchers coming up I, I think they could benefit from you know learning from him. he's got a, a, an excellent selection of, of you know pitches of movement so uh knock on wood hopefully he can yeah because if you look at tommy henry is uh tommy henry is very good at using his breaking ball to get chases out of the strike zone the blake walston is one yeah there we go I'm trying to think yeah. he's left-handed of that I, group but yeah definitely yeah i i expect a pretty minimal impact from walston in 2024 oh yeah I'm just saying left-handed, similar profile. They both don't throw particularly hard. Walson's got a pretty, uh, I mean, he does have a few good pitches, but not like the velocity or anything. I, I think some of it just doesn't break it out. We've gone to that before, but I, there are, there's a, a big enough group of young left-handed starters that, yeah, I think that, that hopefully will have a positive impact. And there is something that he can teach them and help them, you know, become unlock their potential as starters. All right, so next up, so as part of yesterday's events, what started today was the Diamondbacks losing slugging prospect Davis Owen De Los Santos in the Rule 5 draft to the Cleveland Guardians, who took him with the eighth overall pick. So a bit of a rundown on De Los Santos. I had him ranked 15 on the Diamondbacks' top 30 prospect list. Had he had survived the Rule 5 draft, there would have been an article. Uh, Nick Pecora r- ranked him as ninth, and you can check that episode out. Uh, I have my 12. I think West- and then we talked about that on episode 35. So before yeah. we get into the discussion, I'm going to play this clip of what Hazen said, uh, Hazen said about losing him in the rule five draft. The roster that gets tricky. And if they stay in double a too long and don't become major league depth and you're trying to compete, it becomes a burdensome spot that you can't move on your roster. And as you're looking to add pitching, which is more likely what you're looking to do during the course of the season, not the position player, 
as you're looking to add pitching onto your 40 man from the minor league guys that you have or guys that are off the roster and guys like Saul Frank um, during this year and others, obviously Jarvis and Chaconi and those guys, it starts to add uh, complications to the rosters you're trying to compete. If you weren't, then having double-A prospects on your double-A roster isn't as big of a deal. Just having a somewhat... Yeah, so basically the gist was... Uh, they decided to leave him unprotected because they had him project. They had him set to start twenty twenty four in Double A. I thought he would might have yeah. started in Triple A given the strong finish. But as Hazen also noted later in that conversation, it's because of the fact they play in Amarillo and Reno. It's really difficult to figure out their offensive profile since, weirdly enough, those two ballparks can reward a non disciplined hitter with power. And I think we're going to have that yeah. same concern with Robinson too. The biggest thing that stands out to me uh, with De Los Santos, besides the strikeouts, is he has not been an above average hitter at the double A level at all. He's been below average uh, in a brief cup of coffee in 2022 at double A an 83 WRC plus. Uh, and so he was, and then in the 88 last year in a full in like a full season. So that's in 123 games, he's been pretty awful there. He's not ready. Like I'd be very surprised. This is not like a Dan Ugla, Jason Bay situation where like there's a good chance that he could succeed. A very I could see him getting hot and then becoming just awful the rest of the year. Like it's the only way he's gonna stick on on a you know major league roster is if he like absolutely rakes during spring training makes the you know makes the team out of spring training continues being hot uh kind of surprises some guys at the you know some pitching you know like most people are not gonna he has a surprisingly good bat speed great power but he gets into some awful habits hitting he's at the point where he's striking out way too much um the one thing is he's 20 so that's why he's still a prospect if he was putting up these numbers as a as a you know 25 26 year old i wouldn't he's not a prospect period um that said uh the indians are pretty like they're <laughs> they're pretty uh they're like they're dying for some power other than out of uh, the nailers and uh and jose ramirez other than that i don't know where they're gonna play him is the real question um so really like my point with all this is that uh, I you leave him underprotected because it's very unlikely that he's actually going to stay on a major league roster all year long. Uh, and if, if that happens, good for the Guardians for take, like rolling the dice like that because it's not something that the Diamondbacks were going to do, obviously. Yeah. That's why they left him unprotected. You know, is he, they don't think there's a chance that he's actually going to like be able to succeed the major league level, let alone AAA. Well, he's not. They deemed him not ready for AAA. I wouldn't. That's what I'm saying. Say, like, they, they don't think he's ready for the major league level. They don't think he's ready for the AAA level. Uh, that's why they left him unprotected because it's crazy. It's as a sexy pick. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I'm not. I don't. I don't dislike him as a prospect. Uh, prospect. I, I, I struggled with trying to put him in the top ten. I couldn't justify it, so I have. I had him at like eleven or twelve. Uh, and then of course, like they. To trade him you guys selected like literally as i put him there so um yeah i don't i don't think he's gonna even make necessarily make their the, the you know the guardians uh you know 25 man 
of spring training. Like I, I think th- that he'll be sent back. It totally makes sense why they leave him on there. It's not a big deal. So yeah, looking at his minor league splits, he actually performed worse against left-handed pitching. If you're thinking, okay, maybe they use him as a left-handed bench yeah. option. Did not show uh, the ability. He struggled against left-handed pitching last year uh, in the 23 season. We pull up 22. And this is low minors, a ball. Sl- yeah. uh, obviously, slightly. Uh, the OPS is similar, right versus left. More on, more hit for a better average. But I really in uh, hit for a better average, better slugging. Better slugging by five points. Well, on base percentage lower by f- five points. It's a um. There's not a track record that shows he hits lefties better than righties. Yeah, he doesn't have the the profile to platoon him at all. Now, of course, we talk about oh, this early. There's you can't really project platoon splits, but it definitely yeah. is concerned. It's definitely concerning when a guy isn't hitting left, isn't hitting better when holding the platoon advantage, though. Yeah, uh, I mean it's it's one it, the one thing is it's it's just uh, I, I'm honestly surprised that they they took him. I thought it'd be like Austin Pope or anything because he actually looks like a, like you know a decent bullpen arm if given the chance. Um, uh, Trist, I, I mean I actually think even like Tristan English is a better role to dice than him. Like I I don't I'd be very very surprised if he actually like makes it. Like he, he's a Cleveland, if he's a Cleveland Indian at the end of the year, I will eat this hat. Okay. Nah, don't. I'll, I'll eat a piece gets, of that. I'll eat. A, I'll eat a piece of the hat. Okay. No, I was saying, and he gets more than two hundred plate appearances. How about that? Yeah, there's I still know, a possibility I, they might waste the year. Yeah, they could do that. No, yeah, if he actually gets more than two hundred plate appearances, I'd be very surprised. Two hundred so. plate appearances and makes it the whole year with Cleveland. You can eat the hat. Yeah, yeah, I'll eat that. I don't think it's gonna happen, Michael. I really don't. It's one of those things that's like I, I, I actually suggested that he could be taken on like roll of the dice, and everyone was like, "Oh no, Wesley, that's not gonna happen." And it happened. And even I, I don't think it was a good move. That was the thing. Mm-hmm. I was just, I was just being an asshole and arguing, like out of you know, devil's advocate. Not, I'm not serious when I suggest it like that. Like I don't think yeah, it's a good be- idea. I'll be surprised if he's on Cleveland's roster when Eduardo Rodriguez celebrates his 31st birthday. Yeah, it was Wesley suggesting a dumb idea. That's what that was. So, yeah. uh, Quickly wrapping up, it's like uh, Cleveland also has a better first base prospect in the minor leagues than Kyle Manzardo, too, who is closer to major league ready, may have less power or ceiling, but is more likely to hit 20 homers in the major league level. I don't get it. That's about like where are they going to play him? You know, like DH? I don't know where they're going to play him. But then Naylor's got a DH once they bring up Manzardo. Yeah, I mean the thing that I could see is they they give Manzardo more time in in the minors. Okay, he looks assuming he's not. He looks really okay. I'm just saying, Dev Leslie's. I know dumb words are coming out of my mouth, my mouth, Michael. Okay, but. They give him more time in the minors, and they, they're like, "Okay, you give De Los Santos a shot, I guess, at first or third or DH, and like rotate between him, Jose Ramirez, and the Nailers." I guess it's, it sounds dumb as I'm saying it, but I yeah, guess that's and, what they could do. And Manzardo actually was one of the best prospects in the fall league too. I know. 
You've seen De Los Santos. You, like, I know, I know you like seen the two play and you're like, this guy's a better prospect. Don't get it. But I, for some reason, that's what the, the guardians are doing. Now, of course, uh, if De Los Santos hits the ceiling, it's a, he's an instant 40 homer threat. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, he, it's he, a 1% chance. He's like a super dark horse lottery rook of the year candidate. If he actually sticks with the guardians all year long and succeeds. Yeah. If he succeed, if he's successful in that regard, so that he's get if he gets six hundred plate appearances with Cleveland, we're uh, yeah, he's definitely yeah. a rookie of the year conversation. But yeah, that's the thing. That's the only way. Gets, it's it's one of those. I have a better chance of winning the lottery, You're like going out and winning like mega millions. You know, it's really not very likely. They have to be going to be very patient with him too, because he is anything but. So we'll be moving on to. The next biggest move in the division, we'll be talking about Juan Soto, who was traded to the Yankees yesterday. Deal not quite official yet, but the teams have notified the players involved in the deal that they have been traded. Obviously, Soto comes out. out You're forgetting about Trent Grisham, man. Yeah. They got Trent Grisham, too. Not just Juan Soto. Aaron Judge is playing center field for that team. But uh, Juan Soto is out of the division now. So what do you think about that trade? We'll let you go first again. It's a solid move by the Padres, first of all. Like, actually, it was obvious that Juan Soto was going to be the easiest guy on their roster to move and actually get a solid return. Uh, it's not as good of a return as what they gave up to acquire him. Like, I'd rather have those guys than this group of guys. Um, I really like Drew Thorpe. I think he's uh, potentially an ace. There are a few signs for concern. There's a chance to go bust, but... He's a guy named to remember, keep an eye out on. Michael King instantly slots in uh, the rotation as their number three starter. Uh, Johnny Brito, Randy Vasquez are nice pitching depth. And uh, Kyle Higashioka is a you know solid you know backup catcher and you know catching depth. I, I really uh, that dude has an added a very interesting career <laughs> uh, as a side note. Uh, on the Yankees end. Uh, if this is all they do, they don't go go. They don't go out and get Yamamoto or Imanaga or you know get a, a pitcher. It, it's baffling if they, they don't do that. Like a really, they they need to go out and sign some pitching because um, that's all their pitching depth. They basically trade away for the two of them. Grisham, there's we should also mention like they got Verdugo from Boston, Alex Verdugo the day before. So. Um, yeah, they have. Uh, I mean, I like I like what that they need to do something. Juan Soto is probably the, the probably be one of the best bats to change teams after Otani. So, I mean, you can't really. I mean, it, it looks good for right now. For, it looks good for both sides. I I don't know if this really. Uh, it it actually could be enough to put the Padres back in contention. Like yeah, I, I think this the good this the change in clubhouse dynamics and having you know. Uh, pretty much their, some of their pitching concerns addressed. Like that's really it's a good move for them. Yeah, I still feel like the Padres still have some pitch, uh, clubhouse concerns that that's going to linger for a bit because players that seem to be surrounded by are still there. Yeah, but I mean, it, yeah. it's it's it, they're they're going to make a move. It's probably it's not it's not like I'm going to give it. I'd give it like a 
I don't know, it's an A grade for the A minus grade for the Yankees, depending on the other moves. If they don't make any other moves, it's I'd give it like a C. It really, really should address pitching first. If they don't go out and get additional pitching, they're know, gonna get somebody. Get pitching with it. They're gonna get someone. It seems like it's that's that's gonna happen. Um, the Padres, I mean, they need they're gonna need to make some other moves aside from. I don't know what they're gonna do. I, it really seems like they were trying to uh, go all in while Seidler, you know, was still alive. Yeah, the Padres I obviously mean, have a hole in center field. I'm not sure who comes. Yeah. Was that one? I think they're probably going to trade Cronenworth is what the move is going to be next. He's the most movable of, of the the guys on their roster. Yeah, I think so. So that's what I would expect. Um, what do you think of the return? For the yeah, I think it's a good return. I think it's a very good return for the Padres, obviously. Because you got, like I said, Vasquez and Brito could slot into their rotation today. Drew Thorpe will be in their rotation in 25. Yeah. Gashioka kind of solves solves a, a low key need for them the backup catcher. I'm not is Gary Sanchez still their starting catcher? I don't remember. I have no idea. Um I think Sanchez is a free agent. Yeah, I think yeah, no, yeah, he is a free agent. But I would um, be surprised if he doesn't return. Yeah, I would I wouldn't be surprised. Um who is on the? Yeah, let me see who's on their depth chart for catcher right now. Because I really don't have any idea. I'm drawing a blank on all, like literally all their catchers other than Sanchez. Yeah, and uh, obviously they got a hole to fill in center field. I'm not sure what their prospect list is, but one of their prospects, Jacob Marcy, had a very good Arizona Fall League. I think he was the Fall League MVP. Looking at his numbers, he might be a guy that could be in competition Luis for Campusano. Okay, so Campusano is there's could be in the mix for a starting catcher job. All right, so looking and then at, after uh, that, Brent Sullivan, Juan Zabala, Brandon. Oh, Ethan Salas is going to fly through that system. <laughs> like he's that not going to even if he flies through the system, he's not going to get to the major leagues before twenty five. Yeah, yeah, no, he the end of twenty five. I don't, I don't see them doing any like like long term moves there with Salas. Um, Oh, Brett, Brett Sullivan, I guess, are the two. Brett Sullivan and uh, Campusano are the two two major league catchers. On the yeah, team. and Sullivan's going to get bumped out of them off the major league roster because of the trade. Yeah. So I'm looking at uh, so looking at Marcy. He's only got 16 games at the Double A level. So maybe he's not as maybe he's not as major league ready as I thought he was. But certainly with the fall league, I don't think he's going to be in Double A for very long. And I would probably paint him as a 24 uh, debut debut guy maybe he starts the year in the minor leagues unless he completely shreds in spring training i'd give him an invite but i don't even see them the only outfield the only uh outfielder that unless they move tatis to center field i was gonna say that's the only outfield situation that they have that's kind of what i i i'm assuming they're gonna do is is keep tatis has been surprisingly good as like he's been a good defensive outfielder like uh he sucked at first but uh since well, last I year, I mean, he, glove. yeah, like he's been an, an above average outfielder. Like, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, he's very, uh, you know, he's got the athleticism. Like, it's not surprising at all. Um, yeah, I mean, they're going to make some move. I'm assuming is probably they're probably going to move Cron- Cronenworth. Um, I don't see them. 
Yeah, Cronenworth doesn't necessarily fit first base. Doesn't have the bat yeah, for first base, and his value is being able to play a middle infield position at a high level defensively. Yeah, it's like like Ian Desmond uh, being signed to play first base for the Rockies. Like that's uh, just not a very smart move, and it's kind of a waste of money. Um, I would, I just, I'm assuming that they're probably going to move him. I mean, he's the most, probably the next most valuable player that they can move on their roster, other than Kim, who it would be. Uh, there'll be they riots go- on that. There'll be, there'll be riots in the street of San Diego if they trade away uh, Haseon Kim. Yeah. I was saying, speaking of Kim, I think that I think the free agent outfield target for them to watch is going to be Jung Hoo Lee. I think he's go. I've heard that. I think there's, there's good some, shot he ends ends up there. There's They'll some noise about that in the free agent market. There's some there's some noise about that uh, going around. So I would not be surprised. It, it, it would be a nice fit for them. I would uh, rule if they out move, Bell- if they if they if they move Cronenworth. I would say I I would rule out uh, Bellinger. I don't think the Padres can afford Bellinger. It doesn't make sense. And obvi- Bell- it's going to be interesting to see where Bellinger ends up because the Yankees basically took themselves out of the running by landing Soto. Unless they want to turn uh, Alex Verdugo or Aaron Judge into a full-time DH. But then again, also adding Grisham that as their fourth outfielder. Uh, the Yankees are out on Bellinger. I don't I don't want to mind uh, Bellinger as a D-back, but not like That's long-term. not happening. That's not yeah. happening. That certainly would be an upgrade, but the cost it would yeah. take to sign him plus the draft pick. No. Yeah, no. I, yeah, I don't think it's gonna happen. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind it though. I'd be, you know, if not for all that and all the the, the many reasons not to sign him, it would make sense to sign him, Michael. Yeah, you're right. I was gonna say Bellinger's bad ball metrics suck. Yeah, he. I'm not so sure that he can maintain it long term. Like his rebound, I think might have been. Uh, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Put this uh, like the last gasp before he his career dies. Yeah, if I look, I'm looking happen. at Cody Bell. That does happen. I'm looking at Cody Bellinger's uh, numbers. He sucked against fastballs. He murdered changes, but he was sucked against in sliders. He sucked against fastballs. Yeah, that's that's never a good sign. I mean, we're talking about a Rosarena struggling against fastballs. That's a bad reason to trade for him, even though I think he's more likely to make the adjustment to getting back to being on time on fastballs. Bellinger is a very good off-speed strike hitter. And the way to get him out was always to go up in the strike zone with fastballs. That's just how looking, it is. That's just how it is. Looking at the available, been. the list of free agents right now, and I, some more out of the board, but like, of course, like, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Heimer Candelario oh, yeah. signed with the Reds, which was uh, yeah. We'll talk. We'll talk about that later. Let's talk about bats. The D backs could target in free agency. So yeah. Obviously, they're looking at right-handed bats. The two names that pop up the most are JD Martinez and Justin Turner. So Hayes indicated he was willing to sign a right-handed bat for a full-time DH role and play McCarthy in left in the outfield full-time. If that comes down to that, so they're not. They're not going to cut themselves short on short on options. However, I do think the Eduardo Rodriguez signing probably rules out a reunion with Guriel. Yeah. I think so. That, yeah, I don't I don't I don't see Guri. I think Guriel's gonna want to get paid is really what he's looking for. Uh 
going forward. And I, I think uh, it looks like the team has largely moved on. I'm not sure where he's going to end up. I Between Turner and Martinez, I like J.D. Martinez better. I think that's a, like a better fit. I think it's more likely just because uh, I guess he's friends with Eduardo Rodriguez. So um, that's like reason cool number 20. That's I reason. Yeah. As you say, as you told me earlier, yeah, it's like reason number 20, but I think that it, it's a good, I think, he. You no, know, I mean, I know he saw playing at the Diamondbacks. Like it's a young, fun team that, you know, can beat the Dodgers. So, you know, you, you can't, if you can't beat them, join them. Join him again. Kind of my, yeah, join him again. Come on, JD. Actually, I really, uh, I think I think that he would be probably the like if he's strictly a DH. Like, I mean, I would be okay with him as a sign. I don't like Justin Turner. I just really don't. And also, since we already, so, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a fan with, of of making that sign. So, I mean, the biggest issue with Martinez is he's 36. And of course, if we're going to make a big deal about Martinez being 36, we have to make an even bigger deal about Justin Turner being 20, 39. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, you're signing a younger guy. That's the main thing. I think JD Martinez is going to, it looks like a guy who's aging well. He takes care of himself. Uh, I've seen his, like, you know, his workout routine and like nutrition. Like, I've seen some videos, like, he's done. And, and yeah, I, I think that he's going to age well. Just like, just. He already has aged just, well. Yeah. I mean, he's my, that's he's my point. age. He's only a couple months younger than me, so I'm old. So, um, yeah, no, he takes good care of himself. I think that he that I wouldn't expect a dramatic, uh, like I don't think he's gonna fall off a cliff just yet. If, I think he's got I, I think he's got a couple more seasons left in him. If Justin Turner could eke out a couple more seasons, JD Martinez can. I mean, Justin Turner obviously is not coming off a poor year by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, no, yeah, he, he had a solid season with Boston. Problem is, is unless you're signing Justin Turner for like five, six million dollars, is not worth it. You might, in my opinion. Yeah, looking at Martinez's bad ball metrics, he still annihilates baseballs. We all nothing, nothing new he, in his profile. Strikes out he, a lot. Who, he who shall oh, not be named is up. who I really think they should sign, but like I will leave it that. Um, yeah, the chance of that happening died in 2012. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, Martinez think, annihilates like, baseball, but there's a lot of swing and miss in that line. A lot of swing and miss in that bat. Thirty-one percent strikeout rate. Doesn't walk, but then again, he yeah. annihilates baseballs. Yeah, no, I mean, it really, he needs. He suits a need the team has, which is an additional. Uh, the strikeouts are concerned. You're going to make a trade if you're going to get really anyone better than JD Martinez. I mean, the thing is, uh, if. Putting Martin, you already have a thirty percent strikeout here in your lineup with the and you know, yeah. with Suarez, but can you afford to have two thirty strikeout bat in your lineups? And then, of course, as Philadelphia taught us, no. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, but, I don't think that's a good idea. So you don't want that's to back those two back to back, is my thing. But then again, Suarez is probably batting sixth in the Steebacks lineup, whereas if you were to sign Martinez, he's probably batting third. Because he's your most potent offensive threat with nobody on in two outs in the lineup. Plus, adding a bat like Martinez, I think, has a positive effect on Christian Walker because he doesn't have to think, oh, I'm the guy. I have to make things happen here with runners on base. No? It's like, no, it's like after maybe you put Martinez behind Walker. It's like, okay, JD Martinez is hitting behind me. My job is to no longer make outs. And then he'll start swinging for singles and hit singles. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's. 
they're they like the add on effect of 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 signing a JD Martinez. Um, I like I really just like his his approach to like how he goes about an at bat. I think that's that would be a positive influence on the on the guys, the younger guys. Uh, like this, he just like goes about in like a workmanly kind of way, like he's very methodical. Um, yeah. And a lot of that's kind like of the what, key to really his, his success as a hitter is he was not a successful hitter before he did that. So he's very, he's very much dedicated to that. By the way, last year, Martinez became the seventh player in the, uh, I forget which era it is, the wild card era to hit 260 or better with a strikeout rate of about 30%. Now, of course, uh, you'll take that when your expected weight on base average when you make contact is over 500. 518 top 1%. I mean, how, what do you, how do you feel about Jung Ho Lee? Jung Ho Lee. Yeah. I would love him more if he was right-handed, but he's, I just a, think, he's a nice consolation prize. I mean, the thing is, I, he would probably project for right field at chase uh, in this lineup. The only problem is he's left-handed. Yeah. yeah. And you're going to have to pay a lot of, and he's going to cost you a lot. Yeah, he's gonna go up in value, definitely. I think that I think the bidding. The no, bidding I mean you're so still far, gonna you're still gonna get yeah. a fairly re, uh, reasonable contract because he's not you're not you're gonna sign him for less than probably what full market value would otherwise dictate. That's pretty much the appeal of the of the you know signing it like the like the Japanese and and uh, KBO. However, you know, I, s- coming over. I did see a tweet that his bad ball metrics aren't quite as good as Kim's. But Kim yeah. crushed the league. It's only 25. Yeah. And yeah, and Kim did sign in like, t- what, 29? Yeah. But uh, Hassan Kim's uh, batted ball metrics in the KBO were ridiculous. So when a guy doesn't dominate, doesn't necessarily put up dominant numbers in a lesser league, that's a red flag. Dominant batted ball the, metrics. The KBO is becoming more competitive over time. In terms of like, the quality so of talent and all that, I think that uh, there's been enough. Uh, I mean, it's been like five, what, how much? That's like six years, five years, five years inside. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's enough time for there for there to be a shift where it is a much the, the the talent competition has increased enough where I like I it's still I mean it's still you know it's a, it's not quite major league level i'd say it's better than triple a i've actually heard i'm KBO. not even sure if it's better than triple a i think it's more on par with triple a now yeah no i mean before like 10 years ago they would say that it was equatable to the double double a yeah basically in terms of talent level and and nbp is in between triple a and, and major league baseball in terms of talent level um i think the kbo has caught up to some extent that said mm-hmm. Yeah, that is concerning. You you want to see like a yeah, like not, the, the the thing you want to see is a guy who is like basically Barry Bonds or like Barry Johnson, Bonds. you know. Like but in terms of numbers, numbers to you what know, Carroll was putting up in Triple A at least. Yeah, that you want him to own the league, basically. Really, my point, you know. And the th- thing is, this is not going to be a Merrill Kelly situation. Merrill Kelly is the exception. Yeah, that's yeah, absolutely. This There's, projecting KBO to the major league. I think Lee is much more likely to end up being an average starter than an all, than an all-star level talent. I think he's not going to be as good as perhaps the hype is going to be. Although I don't know what the market value for him is kind of thing. That's what I, that's how I see it. 
Yeah, let me see what Fangraphs is projecting. It's not yeah, like ben Clemens, it's not like Yamamoto coming from the MPB, where you already have you already have a good idea of what his stuff is, and yes, that stuff does translate. Uh, ben Clemens has it four years, sixty million. Uh, a median crowdsource was four years, fifty-two. Yeah, that's too so, much. I mean, that's too much. That's too yeah, much, that's too much for, for a guy. Especially for a guy who you know could end up just being like a fourth outfielder, which is no, like plenty. Of, I, I don't. I think he'd be better than a fourth outfielder. I just don't know that's, how much that's more. His, that's his. He'd floor. be a Dimebacks' second best outfielder. I don't think that he, that's going to be his. Like you know, I don't think he's going to be fourth outfielder. But I'm fairly confident his floor is a fourth outfielder. At worst, well, Dimebacks have like five players in their forty man roster. Yeah. Who have a fourth, fifth. Yeah, no, no, fourth outfielder floor. Yeah, so Two like of them are going to be starting. Doesn't make any sense. So I mean, I really don't know other than JD Martinez. Uh, oh, by the way, Lee's not right. Is not right-handed. So yeah, he already yeah. The hand, they they the hand in this disqualifies it too. So you need a right-handed bat. Other than JD Martinez, I have. No, I mean, uh, Matt Chapman is going to get paid way too much fucking money. Um, Who cares? D backs already got it. their third baseman, and they already got the third baseman. So that doesn't make any. So you, I mean, the only interesting name. That even like, like I really, Tommy Fam. Tommy Fam. If you got him for like seven, eight million dollars for that, yeah, yeah. I mean, if he comes back on amicable terms and like money, sure. I I think everyone, I think, I think he endeared himself to Diamondbacks fans. So yes, I think he's a fan favorite. People love him. We love it. We love you, Tommy. Um, yeah, no, I'd be cool, Tommy Fam. Yeah, he can give you he can give you some coverage in the outfield, too. And he'd kind, of, but the only thing I worry about Fam is also age and the fact that he didn't necessarily while he was great in the post at times in the postseason when he got hot he was very hot. The overall body of work was kind of okay. Reese Hoskins is the only that, other name that was. Yeah, that is actually a name, name that's been discussed. That is actually Reece a possibility. Hoskins. So and I mean, that, the other one, Brandon Belt. No, but he's left-handed. He's yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so yeah, Reese Hoskins, that would be all right, and it it would give yeah. take some pressure off of Walker too, having yeah, like probably. a confident having a confident first baseman. He's not uh, he's not uh, above average, but he's at least he's a competent glove. He's better than Paven Smith at first base. Yes, I think competent is is a backhanded. Uh, it's a backhanded compliment. I mean, you know that, right? Like I'm saying, oh, he's yeah, confident in that position. Very bad. Well, you're signing Hos- when you're signing Hoskins, you're signing him for his bat. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think, think that he's even DHing 99 of the time. And Hoskins is probably the time. The timing works out quite nicely for the D backs. Reese Hoskins is probably looking for a short, t- looking for a deal where yeah. he can hit the free agent market next year. So if I were to D backs, yeah. I'd offer him two years with an opt out after one. Yeah, I that said that would actually, uh, and that's a solid veteran presence or too. Me- and a guy that played in the World Series. Yeah. Although, so, then again, so does everyone else on the team now. <laughs> so it's like just another guy who's played in the World Series. Uh, it's like, uh, yeah, I look at it. Well, maybe maybe they sense. can teach. Maybe they can teach. Uh, oh, wait, well, who's it? What's his name? Uh, Eugenio. Gino. Gino has him into a World Series. So, you know, they, they yeah. need to give him that. That. Uh, World Series experience, what you know? Yeah, was it, it's spring training. 
Well, he did pit lay in the postseason in an actual season. Yeah. That was that was twenty two. Yeah. the Mariners. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm just giving he has been he's of course the Mariners yeah. and and Cincinnati Hos- have haven't been in a while. Yeah, I actually put Hoskins second on my list. If the Demex can't afford Martinez, I actually like Hoskins the next most. Yeah, he's still young. Hoskins- he's not even thirty. Yeah, I'm just still well, I'm be still thirty. Hoskins. Hoskins as of, as of right now, March seventeenth. So he'll be he'll be he'll be thirty one thirty season. Oh, he's he's older than me. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Hoskins. Oh, okay. Hoskins is older than me, and I turned thirty like three months ago. I see that now. Four months it ago. Has his, his age is listed weirdly because he didn't play last year. Yeah. Had why Philadelphia won Game Seven, you would have been in the World Series, though. Why, why did he not play last year? ACL injury. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I I love it. They can get him cheap then because he's he's going to be looking for a, it's a proven yeah, contract. Absolutely. That's probably I think he wants, and the best you thing might for be him is there. the best thing for him is be able to rebuild his value and then hit the market again as soon as possible. Yeah, that's why I like a two year plus swap deal. Right, how about yeah, one like year that. plus mutual? Yeah, if you D backs, yeah, no, I cover their butts. Yeah, you gotta have. You, I mean, you have to, that's the kind of contract that yeah you you would want you want to have a you know be able to bring it back for you know another year everything goes yeah, right. I think I think Gambo actually threw out Hoskins as a possibility. So like I said, I'd put him second on my right hand bats list after Martinez. Obviously Martinez realize, you had the strikeouts, but when Martinez hits young. the baseballs. I didn't know he was that Mar- young. Jesus Christ. He never signed He's an extension, young. that's why. Well, of course okay. when Martinez is like when Martinez hits baseballs, he really hits baseballs. However you have to deal with the fact he's going to strike out thirty percent of the time and doesn't walk much. Not the same. He's not the same level of hitter that he was six years ago. But yeah, not that not, far off. That's not that. No, he's surprisingly like when I looked at look at his his stats this morning, I was like, wow, JD Martinez has actually been pretty damn good since he left the D backs. Like that's well, uh, he, had one, he had one year where he kept it up. Yeah, he was eighteen. Yeah, yeah. Then he kind of he slowly kind of dropped off a little bit, aged normally, and then found the fountain of youth last year. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know whatever he's. Uh, but I don't he's think the D-backs will be hiring. I don't think the Diamondbacks will be hiring Robert Van Skoyak again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, looking, like I said, if you're hoping for Martinez reunion with the D-backs, you better start praying that Shohei signs with the Dodgers. Yeah, that's probably their backup. That's the plan. only way that happens. In the event that Otani decides to. Surprise everyone and re-sign with the Angels, and the Dodgers would probably keep Martinez, and then the D-backs would be courting Reese Hoskins. As yeah. we know, this offseason, the Diamondbacks aren't going to wait for moves to no. be made. Yeah, they're making their they're making their move, so it's like uh, not going to wait. Opportunities, yeah. they're going to strike when the opportunity comes. I think I think you could honestly say the Diamondbacks so far are having the best offseason. Like in terms of moves so far, like I I I don't think there's a team that's had made better moves. The the only one who's made like a similar amount of moves is the Cardinals, and I'm not. That's uh, it feels like a cobbled together kind of rotation there, where it's like it, yeah, I could see that go if everything goes right, or if it was like five years ago, those were great moves. I'm the only one that like of all those players they signed Sonny Gray, but uh, you know it's you know. Qualified offer, I think, for him or no? Yeah. 
So yep. yeah, he he's already ruled out. So just from that, I wouldn't sign him just because this draft is uh, already uh, looking like it's going to be a challenge. Uh, just just in terms of the position of everything after the, uh, you know, just from going to the World Series, uh, it screws their draft order. So uh, it's even with be that in mind, they, yeah, they're still going to have three picks in the top thirty-five, so they're going to still get. Yeah, pretty substantial talent. Just not like uh, franchise altering talent. You're gonna get best case scenario three guys that fit on a major league roster. Yeah, but I mean, like just like losing, losing, losing a pick doesn't really. It's not something the Diamondbacks need to do. They need to avoid that when possible. You're losing. So yeah, I'm I'm happier with Eduardo Rodriguez than I am with signing Gray. Actually, Detroit was the team that gave up their draft pick to sign Rodriguez. Yeah. So, um. But uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't. As far as teams that have been comparable, you know, so far it's like Dimax are in the lead now. Now we can get to the worst. So far, we're not going to pick teams that have done. No, we're not going to pick teams that have done nothing. I think the Padres also yeah. are a pretty solid off season. Yeah, they, they got solid. A, they got a much better than anticipated return with Soto. And of yeah. course, now the onus is on the Yankees to extend them because one year of Soto is not worth all that. No, yeah, that's they, no, that's no, was, that's a giant I, overpay for one year of Soto. I assume they're throwing it back at him at the uh, very least. They're going to try now. They're, I would assume they're going to try to extend him uh, before. Does it start with a three or a four? Yeah, it's it's pretty much like like you could you justify know, a four hundred million dollar contract. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I would assume the, the Yankees are going to be on that already. If not, that's going to be their priority going into the next the next offseason. So. Um, yeah, the, Yankees, sort of... the Yankees are too much contingent on the moves that they need to make. Yeah. I was talking about the Padres being a winner in this offseason, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. The Padres, so, though, that they're the winner. So let's talk about the teams whose offseason moves make the least amount of sense. The Cincinnati Reds. What are they doing? Uh, they have a team with yeah, a very young and talented position player core, more so than what the Diamondbacks entered the 2023 season with. And in fact, they're entering... 2024 season strong position D-backs entered 2023. Not of course in the yeah. D-backs case, the 2023 season started by giving signing locking up Carroll's prime years for a monumental discount. Yeah. Knowing the player was going to reach his ceiling kind of thing. If Carroll had just gone year to year, he'd probably make twice as much money. That's how talented I think he is. But I the don't, D-backs I have don't him. think that I don't think that what they did is necessarily bad in a vacuum. Okay, like no, it's Candelario, a good thing. That's a no, that was a back. good signing. For, it was a good signing actually, and just yeah. in terms of it, just just himself and the dollar figures and all that, not a bad signing. And the offensive value that'll provide. Yeah, that's not a bad signing by itself, but you have they have way too many. Like they have, they already had too many guys. Like they have like six guys to fill four positions or like three positions. And it's just not like what are they, I don't, they, they're going to have to move someone now for it to make any it's sense. Not, if they don't make, if they don't uh, move, I think like, we're they're talking about like moving Jonathan India, which is nobody wants a, him. Nobody wants him. Cause he's, he's been he bad profile in any position. His bats av- is average. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, there's nowhere to play him. And it's, the guys that you would give would up, actually, it really, it doesn't make actually, sense. Actually, if the Reds want to go for a return, I would put Spencer. They should put Spencer Steer on the trade market. That's someone yeah. who gets something. 
Oh yeah. That's a guy who will bring back something and they can easily replace his. And then actually India's yeah. a weird, weird case. I think you're going to, they're going to have to sell them at a discount, but they could do that too. Cause India still has three years of control, but Spencer Steer would get a return. Yeah. Then you would, wouldn't have, then you would open up first base for Encarnacion strand. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. Or they could play Candelaria first base, which for me, 345 for Candelaria to play first base isn't necessarily a bad deal. Not necessarily the best deal either. When you could have signed Hoskins. Yeah, it just... It was a much better fit for the ballpark. It's one of those I'm 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 hoping for Reds fans' sakes that uh, this isn't like they're going to make other moves. Like they're going to trade, you know, steer for some pitching, do kind of a gallon yeah. to his home. They're going to have to get their... And the Reds are going to have to get their pitching... It, yeah. Anyone that moves some needle for them in the trade market, not free agency. Yeah. Kind of thing. Now, of course, a pitcher yeah. that's a health, warm body does move the needle forward for them. Don't get me wrong on that one. Yeah. That, it's just, and then they sign Nick Martinez. Which, yeah. That one doesn't make sense to me. You're signing a guy that has 19 starts in the last two seasons to a starting pitcher contract. Yeah, he doesn't, doesn't make sense. sense for you as a reliever. At least for yeah, the no, Braves, signing Ronaldo Lopez to three and thirty. Well, okay, you can just they can justify giving ten million dollars a year for a guy who's a late inning arm if it doesn't work out. Yeah, they they have such a deep roster that they could do nothing. Well, their pitching might fine. collapse in a year or two, though. They need to make some moves, but like right now, the Braves are actually in like I would say that they're in pretty solid shape overall as like you know twenty five man, they're forty man, and they're you know. Yeah. Their farm system in general, they do really, they're a well run organization. It's not and like they have, you know, the, the and, they do have the am- and they do have the ammo to execute a yeah. trade, too. Yeah, and they're and that's they're, where they're gonna go. Yeah. I do I don't know what the Reds are doing. Like that's one of those that's one of those things that like doesn't make and, then, uh, and the other one is the Mariners, okay? Like I we're benefiting from from Jerry DePoto's shedding salary for some reason. There's some ulterior move, I think. It's, obviously, they dumped Kalenic after he struggled last year, and Kalenic hasn't really necessarily hit his stride at the major league level. I think there have that's, been some, that's, that's Seattle's organization. They, there's been so many. I mean, they like, hit on Rodriguez, think, obviously. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but like Rodriguez is is such a great like it, when he was when he was on the international free agent market, like he was one of the best. Available he signed for five million dollars. He was signed yeah, for five signed, million dollars. He signed for five million dollars. You don't. You rarely ever hand that much money to an international free agent, especially since you can't spend much more than that these days. So, yeah. um, that's one of those and things of that, like, that's not, you know, broken and broken clocks right twice a, twice a day doesn't mean anything. Uh, yeah, and he debuted basically. I'm trying to think, I'm looking at his numbers. I just don't get what. what oh wait, I'm looking at Clinic's numbers. So I need to look up Julio Rodriguez's numbers. Yeah, he the barely clinic, played above a ball. Yeah, before he debuted, and then he ended up winning Rookie of the Year. Yeah, that's the thing with Clinic is I don't. I'm actually with the, I'm I'm with the Braves on that. Actually, I get why they. It's an upside it. pick. They can, it's an upside pick. It is a hundred percent upside. There is a lot of upside there. I think he was very. He's like Perdomo. He was. He got lucky when he came up. Okay. That first season was luck. And then, you know, it caught up with him. I think being a whole bunch of jacks. What is this? I was going to say in the case of Kalenic, uh, I'm going to look at his minor league numbers. 
obviously he got traded. He was lauded as like a, a can't miss prospect when he was in the Mariners system. When he came up in 21, he only had 30 games played in triple a following 21 games played in double a. So 51 games yeah. above a ball. He's rushed. Could have played the entire rushed. season above a ball before he got called up. Yeah. That's the thing is that like, Carroll had like a hundred. So no, Carroll had 93 games, but then again, Corbin right. Carroll just annihilated his way to the major leagues. This is a high schooler too. Okay. Like this is a guy who's a high schooler, not we a can, college. Like, can, I mean, one thing if you like, we can compare. Yeah, no, I'm just saying it's, just, it's one of the, it's one of those things like you, it's, it's unusual that they did that. It's unusual that he succeeded. I'm not surprised. He had an above average OPS plus though last year. So there's still, it's not, I mean, it's when not, he came I, up from the, minor leagues he had a 143 wrc plus and an ops yeah that starts that had four digits but yeah still it's only 150 plate appearances you can't really judge anything on that sample size and he struggled in the major leagues actually he might not uh, he might have been up and down too so how many games did he actually play for his first call up that's kind of thing at least carol he had he played 57 games in double A and completely annihilated the league. Then he comes up to triple A, has a 133 WRC plus in 30 games. And of course, we shouldn't compare prospects to Corbin Carroll in the first place. Yeah, that's unfair. That's not Corbin fair Carroll was going to reach his ceiling no matter. Corbin Carroll was one of those guys, if healthy, he was going to reach a ceiling no matter who drafted him, what team he took, what team he went to, who drafted him, how high a signing bonus he signed for. And of course, cared more yeah. about staying in one for one team than he did about making money. Of course, he's going to do both. I mean, clinic had 500. Like Corbin Carroll's not fair. He had 500 plate appearances in the minors. How did he get to? Again, we can't compare to Corbin Carroll. Carroll had 500, 600 plate appearances but, in the minor leagues before they called him out. I think that there's upside though there, and it's weird to just give him up, you know, just to what, give him up yeah. like that. Because I think his clinic actually has rebounded, and he had a you know above one of his nine percent above above average defensively. Like I think that I think that there's upside there. It's very strange that Depoto is doing it. They don't make any other moves similar to the, to you know Cincinnati. It is yeah, that's actually lot. I mean, the biggest problem with Kalenic is he's got a lot. Of, he's got more holes in his swing than Swiss cheese. Yeah. But when he does make so contact, fun. he actually does pretty decently. It's like it's it's not like he's completely use. He's not completely useless. Yeah, I was saying maybe he's, a, a, he's not completely useless, and he could still hide him in left field defensively. His value is like still like he they, he he's a guy. If you held on to him for another year, like I would not be surprised if the Braves get a the, you know it, Jared Clinic. Jared Clinic breaks out over twenty four or twenty twenty five. And, and he, uh, gets well, traded at to, the deadline, and they get more return than you know anyone. Well, Jared Clinic like, pans out. If Jared Clinic pans out, then Alex Anthopoulos is getting another contract extension as the Braves. Oh, Obo. He's only he's only twenty three. That's the thing. Okay, like I mean, he's got year old. yeah. Like as I mentioned, his whiff rate and his strikeout rate are terrible, and of course, his strikeout rate is comparable to Martinez. But as we mentioned with Martinez, Martinez when he makes contact hits the ball to outer yeah. space. But the like, collect does have good batted ball metrics. But literally, yeah, he he could rebound, break out, and you know be traded later on for a package Honestly. of 
players. His strikeout, and like he's basically he's basically giving away. If his strikeout so, rate drops to twenty five percent, where he's a borderline all star. I mean, that's, that's my point. Mechanics. That's my point, really, with this. And the same thing with Rodriguez. They basically gave him away. Like that's those are like this non starter of what we gave Suarez, up. Like, I mean, yeah, uh, there's no yeah. way. Th- well, I mean, Suarez like, obviously looked like he was a declining player in 23. Yeah, so I think that's a little so, yeah, understandable. It's an understandable move, but still, they gave, they gave up nothing for him. We'll have to see. We have to ju- see what happens with the pitchers that they got back in that deal. Yeah. I'm going to see if I can but find like, the uh, Kalenic deal. Nope. Probably not. Yeah. All right. So, so, I mean, that was the salary dump. So, like, they're like giving away. And same thing with Seawall. Seawall is. Uh, you know, a piece that you no take. see what was a case of selling high that was and getting a good, good return. That's that not, that's return not the same it. trade. All right, that's a that's a trade that actually could look out really bad. But really, over the last six months, the the Mariners have been kind of giving away pieces for. I mean, the best thing that they've gone, the best guy they've gone back is Ryan Bliss. Okay, and they also and they also uh, traded Marco Gonzalez, but Marco Gonzalez' salary dump was obvious. Is a different story because. Yeah. Anything for them in two years. That's an understandable move, but like, still, like uh, the fact that the best player they've gotten out of all the the guys they traded away is Ryan Bliss. Um, I mean, Ryan Bliss, I I think he's you know probably a future All Star. Um, but like that's kind of says a lot. Like that's that's a stretch for me to 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 believe. I mean, people would tell me I have no idea what I'm talking about if I said that a year ago. So, um. Yeah, what are you doing, Jerry? I guess the, I, they must really like Cole Phillips. He has not pitched yeah. since he has not pitched since the Braves signed him out of the twenty-two draft out of high school. And he spent the there's no playing and yeah. there's no playing record, obviously. So he's been injured for two years. So he could be. I mean, there's some pieces that could work out for them, but like overall, um, I'm. I, w- I would be very upset as as a Mariners fan. Okay, like they're not they're not good moves overall. It's really like it seems like. I mean, if this is all they if they don't if they don't go out and sign one of the major free agents, then like it's really just baffling to me. I mean, or one of the guys you know being posted. Um, yeah, they could be in but, on that. Seattle's yeah, always they, I mean, great. Look, Seattle's always yes. a great destination for a Japan a guy coming yeah. from Japan. Yeah, it's the shortest flight, and it's you know got a large, sizable Japanese uh, expatriate and Japanese American population, and lots of great food, and it's like a I said shortest flight. That's one of the big, biggest things about yep. that. That is a destination because this is a yep. long flight span. Of course, we judge those moves depending on what they do with the salary saved. Yeah, so I mean, we're gonna revisit this, you know, later in, in the, you know, later in the off season, but. Uh, Right now, I'd say D-backs, Yankees, big, big, big drop-off. Uh, yeah, Padres, yeah, I think, Padres. are in the top five. Yeah, they're top five. And then the bottom right now is is definitely the Reds and the the Mariners. I don't know what either either of those teams are doing. Not going to judge the guys. I haven't done anything because it's still early. But as far as the moves made, that's really uh, – that's really – like, that's pretty much it. Like, I, I can't – I mean, the Guardians, though, actually, if that works out for them with uh, getting De Los Santos, plus they won the draft, the draft lottery. They got the number one pick, which was like incredibly low odds. So I'd actually say like, 
as far as that goes, the Guardians, I put them at five. Like it's positive so far. They're they're off season. What they've well, done. The Guardians really haven't done anything substantial. So we put them in the incompletes hey, no. here. They 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 rolled the they, they won the number one draft pick. That's considering how yeah. low the odds were. Like that's really that's why I'm saying that. Like that's actually like yeah. huge huge thing for their future long term. Uh, Dale Santos is if they're going to snag a prospect, you know, he, he's an interesting roll the dice. I I just saying based on Maybe. that, it's positive for me. It'd be a Cleveland. It would be a complete. It would be a full Cleveland sports to get the number one overall pick in a year where there's no clear number one pick. It wasn't like the yeah. case with the D backs getting the number two pick in 22. Yeah. Where, okay, they were going to land one of three players who in most years would be yeah. a one first overall pick. They had a choice of three. Yeah. And obviously, Hall yeah. ended up proving to be the best player in that draft of the three, followed by Johnson. And of course, Drew Jones. We'll see what he can do. Yeah. So I mean, I the other and this is this is an, as far as like player moves, got to give it to the Cubs for uh, stealing Craig Council from the Brewers. Like that's that's well, we'll a see solid. What that does. We'll see how that the does. Cubs roster looks kind of icky. The Mets poaching David Stearns. Uh, <laughs> that that was only a question of if me. not when. That, yeah, no, that was I a mean, question of when, not, not when, F. It, Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah that's the thing. But those those are like really solid front office moves. So like that's where we're at, and it's still early. I mean, the winter meeting and the D backs keeping keeping their brain trust. Also, I think is a huge win. Yeah, absolutely. Most of it. Most of it, and the, you know, taking taking some uh, front office guys from the Dodgers is always nice. Yeah, we'll see if uh, the Dodgers' perspective on player development is an improvement. So yeah, that's that. The time will tell. All right. So, any last thoughts before we wrap it up here? You can go right on ahead and uh, go first again. Yeah, it's, it's so far it's, a, it's been a good. You know, if you're a Diamondbacks fan, you should be pretty happy with the off season so far. They've addressed most of their concerns. Um, really, like there's like I mean, yeah, they kind of losing De Los Santos. It hurts a little bit, but it shouldn't bug you. Uh, it's kind of wait and see. I'm really interested in seeing where all the you know the big names go. Yeah, and I would say for me, the thing I'm looking at is, okay, who are they going to pick up for the right-hand bat? That's the next domino to fall, and obviously they're going to do their best to handle that situation. The question is how much money they have to spend because they've already added close to $30 million in payroll between Suarez and Rodriguez, and the question is how much do they have to work with? If they're already pushing above $130 million, maybe they go as high as 150 for the season, which would be exciting if that happens, obviously. I think Hazen casually threw that number out I'm talking to the media yesterday, but uh, don't take that number for granted. If you hear this from me, that wasn't there. But if the D-backs do have $150 million to spend, they could definitely add a right-handed bat that will actually do something for them. So like I said, uh, keep an eye on, like I said, we talked about Hoskins for a bit. I think that's the guy to keep the eye on for their right-handed bat. And we'll get to see, uh, we'll probably Grade the D-backs offseason once all the pieces come together. And I think so. Thanks everyone for watching. Make sure if you enjoyed the content, it's obviously a little bit longer episode than typical. Make sure to hit that subscribe button, leave a like, comment down below what you think of the Eduardo Rodriguez signing and who you who you like better as a possible right-hand bat between Reese Hoskins and JD Martinez as a possibility.